You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. October the 20th, in Mexico City's Olympic Stadium. They had a marathon going on, and Mamo Wadi of Ethiopia came in first place. He won the gold medal, and the crowd goes wild, and they're cheering, and, and everyone's so excited. About an hour later, all of a sudden, they began to hear sirens. And people began to, to look. And the sirens was a sound that another Olympic runner was coming through the gate. He was actually the last Olympic runner. And as the crowd began to see this man walk into or run into the stadium, they saw that he was bloodied and they saw that he was bandaged and he was had to run around the track one last time to complete the race. And just as they had cheered that first place runner, there was, it seemed like there was even a greater cheer for John Stephen Awkward of Tanzania. He struggled with all of his might, and he finally completed this marathon. He had fallen early on the race, was badly bloodied, badly bruised up, but he kept on going. A reporter asked him, he said, why didn't you give up after falling and being in so much pain? And he said these words, my country did not send me 7,000 miles to start this race. My country sent me to finish. If you're new here, we've been in a series on the book of Hebrews. We're calling it Experiencing Jesus. And we've talked about how Jesus is the son, how he's our leader, how he's our high priest, how he's the hope, how he's our intercessor, how he's the new covenant, how he leads us into the new covenant. And today we're talking about how Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Hebrews is really like one long sermon where there's an audience there that were Jews that came to know Jesus Christ but living under this new covenant, they were living under the old covenant. Now living under this new covenant, there was the temptation to drift back to the old covenant. I, I think they thought it was going to be easier under this new covenant, and, and it wasn't. And, and so I think they were tempted to, to maybe go back toward Judaism. Go, go back toward that old covenant. And so... Really, when we look at Hebrews, the, the, the question that's being addressed is, how do we endure this life in the faith? How do we endure this life, this, this life that we live, how do we live it and still have faith? I, I think it's a question not only for the audience of Hebrews, but I think it's also a question that we have today. And, and so... Often when we talk about faith, we just tell people, hey, just have a little faith. Just, just, just go and take that new job or go jump into this. 
we, we kind of talk about this word pretty lightly. But before we go any further, I think we have to ask that question. What is faith? What is faith? How would you define faith? And I just want to give you a chance to shout it out. How would you define faith? What is faith? Believing? Trust? Believing what you can't see? Okay. What else? Believing God's word? Okay. Hope? Steadfast trust in times of trouble. Sometimes people make faith out as this magic formula. Sometimes people act like, hey, if I just have enough faith, I can get whatever I want. I can get that Christmas gift that I desire. I, I can manipulate God into getting all that I want if I just have enough faith. And there's even pastors that will say, that will preach this. Hey, just have enough faith and you'll be healthy and wealthy and you'll have everything that you could ever dream of. You just need to have faith. I think it's a term that's been abused in our culture and even in churches. When I think about what is faith, I think Hebrews chapter 11, which if you want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to be in Hebrews 11 and 12. Hebrews chapter 11 says this. Now faith is the assurance. It's the confidence of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by, it, for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Faith. I, I love what Andy Stanley, how he defined it. He said, faith is confidence that God is and will do what he promised to do. God makes promises throughout the Bible, and he keeps those promises. And when we look at Hebrews chapter 11, we call this the hall of fame of faith. These were people that were not perfect, but they had faith. They believed that God kept his promises, that he would do what he promised to do. I love Pete Briscoe's definition as well. He, he says, faith can be simply defined as bringing everything to Jesus. Bringing everything to Jesus. Instead of us holding on to it, us submitting and saying, I trust you, Jesus. Uh, instead of you driving the car, you're giving the car over to Jesus and saying, Jesus, this situation's too big for me. I, I'm just going to bring it over to you and, and you handling it. Mark chapter 9, there was this man who had this boy that was demon-possessed. He loved his son like you would love your child, and, and he just didn't know what to do. And so he comes to Jesus, and it says that the Spirit often throws him into a fire, into water, trying to kill him. And he comes to Jesus, and he says, have mercy on us and help us. If you can. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked? Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Some of us can relate to that father, can't we? There's times that we believe in Jesus. But man, we struggle 
when life throws us curveballs. When tough times happen, sometimes we struggle. I love this next slide where it says, Brenning Manning says, faith combined with hope grows in the trust. Let me say that once again. Faith combined with hope grows in to trust. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us, says, therefore, and therefore is linked to Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fame of faith. Since we are surrounded by such a, by so great of a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely to us and run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. Another translation would say, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured for sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. How do we endure the faith? We remember the cloud of witnesses. We think about Hebrews chapter 11, which I'm going to encourage you to read through this week. There's a whole list of names such as Abraham and Sarah and, and Moses and, and Rahab. Now, people that, again, were not perfect, but they continued to have faith. And, and I picture them just like in that Olympic stadium. I, I picture them cheering us on and saying, hey, when tough times come, you keep on running. You can do this. Don't give up. Don't. Drift away from Christ. I not only picture a cloud of witnesses from Hebrews chapter 11, but, but I think about people that we possibly know. I think about maybe my grandma Co. I picture her being up in the stands and, and just encouraging me. You probably have parents or grandparents or uncles or cousins, someone that's made an impact on you that you can picture right now that's encouraging you to continue to run the race. I think about some of the people here at Castle Hills that have encouraged me in my walk with Christ. I think about Kirk Kirkpatrick that used to sit over in this area and was so faithful, and I just picture him being up in that audience and just saying, hey, you can do this. Keep on running the race. I think about Barbara Lovell and Larry Lovell. They used to be greeters here, and they used to say, Do you know that you're loved? I can just hear that just in my head. And I just imagine her shouting that right now. Hey, do you know that you're loved? I think about Bill Crouch, who used to lead worship here and also was an elder I picture him there, just cheering us on. Maybe he's singing a song. He used to lead the Christmas Eve service, one of my favorite times to, to hear him, so talented in that way. I want you to think about that cloud of witnesses that are surrounding you, that's cheering you on. But I thought that we'd do something just a little bit different today. I thought we would not only think about the people who have passed away, but what about your current cloud of witnesses? Who in your life is encouraging you to grow spiritually right now? Who are those people that are saying, hey, you know what? 
You, you can come closer to Christ. They've been an example. They've helped you. And so I, I thought what we'd do is I thought we would go ahead and take a moment, and I want you to send them a text and, and say, hey, I just want to thank you for helping me grow spiritually. If you want to endure this life in the faith, not only do we need to remember the cloud of witnesses, the people that are cheering us on, but, but our passage also says, be aware of those things that weighed us down, the, the sin that clings onto us. Now, I'm not really a runner. I'm like more of a slow motion jogger, if you know what I'm saying. I, I, I don't know if you can call what I've ever done in my life running. But there was a time in my life that, that I did run more often or I slowly jogged more often. I, I got up to, I don't know, 18, 20 miles. Uh, and I can't say it was a joy because I hate running. But, but there's a few things that I learned about running. And, and one of the things that I learned was you don't want to carry any extra weight that you don't have to. You, you don't want to carry any extra weight that you don't have to. And, and so I started hanging out with some other people who were actually runners that were way faster than I could ever dream about. But they taught me about the shoes to wear. They taught me about wearing light clothes. And, they, and man, the first time I was running a long distance, I had one of those big camel packs on. And I remember I was running in, at the beach, and the wind was like just catching that thing. And I'm trying to run, and I, I mean, I'm dying. And I quickly realized there has to be a different way than doing this. That pack was way too heavy. I mean, I had it filled up with water because I thought, I'm not going to die of water. I might die another way, but I'm not going to die of drinking water. You know, when we run the race, we've got to be aware of the things that weigh us down. Now, I'm going to get into your business right now for a moment. I, I want to ask you, what in your life is weighing you down? What's distracting you from following Jesus? What's keeping you from enduring this life of faith? It, it might be the music that you listen to. It might be the books that you read. It might be something that you're watching. It might be the people that you hang out with. It might be the relationships that you have. You need to be aware of that and realize, hey, life is too short. I'm going to change my life. I, I'm going to, to change my life. I, I don't need certain things. There are certain series that I've watched on Netflix, and about halfway through, I'm like, yeah, you know what? This may be funny, but it's not really beneficial to my spiritual life. I'm not trying to be legalistic, and I'm not going through it. I'm not trying to go in your life and say, hey, watch this and don't watch that. I'm just saying, ask God if this is helpful. And if it's not, if it's not helping you grow spiritually, if it's, not, if it's actually weighing you down, get rid of it. Life is too short. The second part of that is talking about the sin that so closely entangles us, that trips us up. Anybody ever step, stepped in gum? Yeah. yeah, you step in gum, and man, next thing you know, you've got it on both feet, and you're trying to rub it off, and it's just a mess, right? Or let me get a little bit more graphic. Anybody stepped in dog, you know what? I mean, like it stinks, right? And like, and especially if you don't realize it at first, and you're just like, man, who is that that stinks? And everyone, oh, it's me. And you're just like, oh, man. That's the same way with sin. 
It, it entangles us. It trips us up. It makes our life messy. And, and, and I think that this verse is here because it reminds us that when we have sin in our life, it's going to make our life a lot more difficult. And, and so I'm going to ask you again another personal question. What sin is entangling you? Is it gossip? Is it not telling the truth? Is it pride? Is it gluttony? Especially around this time, it's really hard for me not to be a glutton for Christmas cookies. I mean, you know, I mean, there's lots of things. You know, one of the things that are really, that our culture is really struggling with that we don't always like to talk about is pornography. I've seen how this has entangled lives, how it's chained itself around individuals, and how it has affected marriages, and how it has affected kids, and and it's just really, really, really destroying people. And as we talk about sin, we're not here to, to condemn you, but what I am here to do is to encourage you to identify that sin. I'm here to say, hey, confess that to Jesus Christ. And then also find someone in your life that you trust that you can say, hey, I'm really struggling with this sin right now. It's tripping me up. It stinks. And I really want to do something about it. And I've confessed it to Jesus, but but I need some help. Find that person that can hold you accountable, that can pray for you, that can help you. We need friendships. We need people in our life that will help us on this race of life. The, another part of this verse says, keep on running with perseverance. With perseverance. Now, you're not, you may not like this part. I, I didn't really like this part when I started thinking about it. Because when you think about running with perseverance, what does that mean? means I've got to develop stamina. I've got to develop stamina. Well, how do I develop stamina? I've got to keep on running. The first time that I started running, my house is on a little hill. I ran down that downhill part. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. So I walked the rest. That's all I could do. But then slowly, I just kept on running down that downhill part. Eventually, I began to run up the uphill part. I finally got to half a mile, and I thought, wow, I'm awesome. I ran half a mile. Then eventually, I began to get to a mile. Now, that's great when it comes to running. But in life, you know what that means? We're going to get knocked down a few times. We're going to get thrown some curveballs. There's going to be some difficult things. And this verse is telling us we got to keep on running. I want to give you some profound wisdom. Very profound, okay? Here's the key. Don't give up. Really not profound, is it? It's getting up after you get knocked down, and you get up and you take one step forward. And you keep on going. You think about that cloud of witnesses that's encouraging you. You, 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 you just keep on moving. Now, how do I not give up? How do I not give up? It says, looking to Jesus or fixing your eyes 
on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Something that I learned in running is when you hit that proverbial wall, that your ankle is hurting, man, your side is hurting, you don't feel like you can breathe, how do you keep on going? And something I learned is that you keep your eyes focused on where you're running to. And so there was a mailbox. And I said, hey, I'm just going to get to that mailbox. Or there was a sign, or there was a tree, or there was a car. And I would just keep on taking one step in front of another. In the same way, when we are going through this race of life, especially when we're going through hard times, when we're tempted to drift, we have to pay attention to who we're focused on. Uh, A lot of times in the midst of running, I would just think about my pain. I would just think about, oh, man, this hurts so much, or, man, my ankle, it's really aching, or, or, man, I sure wish I could have a cheeseburger right now. (laughs) But when I began to think about where I was running, it changed my perspective. It took my eyes off of my circumstances. And when we keep our eyes on Jesus, it means that we can continue to run through this race. And it says that Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. Have you ever thought about what that means? He's the beginning and the end. He's actually ran the race. He knows what we're going through. He knows everything that, that we will encounter in that race of life. He knows hostility. He knows pain. He knows grief. He knows depression. He knows what it means to be betrayed by a good friend. He knows what it means when people don't really get your message, when they don't really get you. See, Jesus came down on this earth. And He was fully human. He knows what it means to run the race. Now, when we come to this Christmas season, so so often, so often, our, our focus is on the gifts and on the Christmas tree and the lights and the decorations and and all of the Christmas cookies. Did I tell you I love Christmas cookies? Oh, man, I love Christmas cookies. And so many times we're thinking about the travel that needs to be done, the, bill, the meals that need to be fixed. We, we, we celebrate Jesus' birth. We, we celebrate that, especially here at Castle Hills. Christmas Eve, we're going to celebrate it again at 6 o'clock. But sometimes in the midst of Christmas, we, we forget that Christmas isn't just celebrating Jesus' birth, but Jesus actually models endurance for us. See, when Jesus was born, he wasn't born into a fancy hospital, not into a castle, but he was put into a trough, a feeding trough, something used for animals. His parents weren't kings and queens. No, his mom was simply a teenage girl. He was probably frightened, probably scared. Early father was just a simple carpenter. Probably didn't have the best toys. Didn't have Amazon to get get everything ordered at the last minute. 
No. Jesus didn't have it real easy at times. In fact, there was a king, King Herod, that wanted to destroy him, wanted to kill him. It uprooted his life, had to travel. We know that Satan constantly tried to tempt him and tried to mess with him and tried to get him off of his main mission. And we know that Jesus went from the wood of a trough to the wood of a cross so that we could be saved. See, Christmas, yes, it's about celebrating the birth. But it's also about, about how Jesus modeled endurance for us. When, when I think about Jesus modeling endurance, it's something that, that I just have to ask myself. What do we listen to when bad things happen? Who do we focus on? When you get bad news, where do your thoughts go? What happens when the doctor says, hey, you may have that C word? Or maybe it's not even the C word. Maybe he says, you need surgery or you have this. What happens when you find out your child's really struggling with something? What happens when you finally look at your finances and you realize you're in a big mess? Who are you focused on? Tim Keller said this. He said, many of us have the voice and the words of Jesus on audio, but our future well-being on video. We, we hear the words of Jesus, but then we take our eyes off of him and think about other things. I hear what Jesus is saying, but I'm looking at something else. And what I'm looking at overrides what I'm hearing. We can know that Jesus is good. We can know that Jesus will take care of us. But the question is, who will we be focused on? When we focus on the author and the perfecter of our faith, when we know that he's ran the race, that he's there with us, we can endure this life of faith. Let, let me end with one last story. I want to talk about my microphone falling off. Bear with me. 1992 in Barcelona. We see a young man named Derek Redman uh, from Britain. It was the 400 semifinals. And, and, and Derek, it took a lot for him to get to this point in time. The last Olympics, four years before that, he was getting ready to run a race, and all of a sudden his Achilles tendon started hurting him. He had to pull out of the race. He had to have several surgeries during the last four years, and it was amazing that he would even get to the Olympics. And so here it was, the race starts in the semifinals. He takes off, and about 100 meters into it, he tears his hamstring, and he goes down, crumpling in pain. The medical people run toward him, and he waves them off. Instead, he gets up, and he begins to, to hop, and he begins to and sometimes even fall and starts crawling. 
Next thing you know, you, you see this big guy with a Nike hat. He jumps past security, and, and security's about to run after him. And, and Derek waves him off. This big man puts his arms around him. It was his father. And they hop around that track the best that they could. Derek's mom and, and sister were back in Britain, and their eyes were filled with tears. His sister had went into false labor, or they would have all been there. But they saw their dad that loved Derek so much that he sacrificed, that he changed jobs. And so it wasn't a surprise that Derek's father would jump on the track and help his son finish the race. I think all of you in this room, if you have a child, you would do the same thing. Because we love our kids. But we have a Heavenly Father that does the same thing for us. A Heavenly Father that when He sees you down and out, He's putting His arm around you, and He's like, hey, let's run this race together. I am the author and the perfecter of faith. I'm going to leave you with just a few next steps as our team comes up and starts playing. This week, I want to encourage you. Read Hebrews 11 and 12. Read Hebrews 11 and 12. Hebrews 11 is so inspiring. And, and take time to, to study some of the names that are, that's in there. Abraham and Moses. So, so many people, Gideon. Then I want to encourage you. What's an area where God is encouraging you to endure and not quit? I, I think there's probably all, all of us in this room, we have some challenges. And what area is God just whispering to you? Don't quit. Don't give up. And then lastly, how does the Christmas story encourage you to endure?